Welcome to Hummingbird, conversations about creativity, arts, literature, and life with Catherine Graham and Jessica Outram. Hi, I'm Jessica, and I'm coming to you today from Coburg, Ontario. We respectfully acknowledge that the land on which we gather and learn daily is the treaty and traditional territory of the Michisaugig Anishinaabeg. We are grateful for our relationship with the First Nations of this territory, for their care for and teachings about the land, the water, and all our relations. As people of the Williams Treaty, we continue our journey to strengthen our understanding of our treaty relationship and of how to move forward together in a good way. Last week, when we finished the show, we, we reflected together on, well, what do we want to do next week? And we thought, since we had read If She Had a Secret Garden poem from my book, we thought maybe we should go do some more poetry about gardens. And, and then that kind of led to things that grow, which led to trees. So I feel like that's kind of a direction we might end up in over the upcoming little bit today. And we'll, I guess we'll see how long this lasts. This, this might even be the next month. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Well, we know that spring is officially here and the sun is shining today and the birds are singing. So things are developing in that way to make the greenery appear. And we look forward to that. Oh, it's such a great time of year for that, eh? Just feeling feeling the warmth on my skin, all the smells. It's just, it's like the senses come alive. And there's a bit of an overwhelm to that too, because as a, as a poet, I want to just capture everything I'm experiencing all the time. I don't know if you have that problem. I don't know, is it a problem or that? <laughs> yeah, and I think it's a problem if it is so excessive that you can't sleep and kind of have sort of the dormant sort of downtime because then you just sort of spin out of control I think but um, eventually the energy wanes and you do have the sleep that you need not necessarily one you want but I know for me as well I think if I had to pick one season that was my favorite it would be spring I think I do have a bit of what is known as seasonal affective disorder where you just are affected by the low light and the, the cold and you kind of do go into a dormant stage I don't struggle through that as much as I used to I think because I have gotten to the rhythm of it happening. And I have found too, for my creative time, that I do tend to write a lot in the winter because of that. And so I've tried to look at it in a more positive note, but I am always ready for spring and I'm sad when spring leaves us because I do love summer too, but then it's fall and then winter and here we go again. <laughs> so Right, right. It's all just a, it's just a circle. And you know, the work that I do during the day in Indigenous education, we refer to the medicine wheel a lot. And the thing I love about spring is that spring is in the East in terms of the, the teachings that we go by Michisaugig territory and it's a beginning right yeah. and every yeah. time we enter into the medicine wheel we enter in through the east that's where we begin and here we are it's the spring and it's filled with so many possibilities the other thing I love is it the, the with the land waking up the way that it does and the buds coming out and grass revealing itself from underneath the ice and snow and the water has movement again it reminds us of life and energy and flow and possibility and hope all of these big beautiful ideas come to play and you can't help 
but wake up a little bit too when everything in the natural world around you is waking up alongside you and the land and the birds being so busy the squirrels are super busy lately I find too everybody's just out there really enjoying the spring and I feel that that's happening with my time as well yeah yeah (laughs) it is it is energy inducing and I think too we have some birds in our backyard and the the bird songs are changing we're hearing the, the song of the cardinal change with the, I believe it's their mating call and the sense too of the birds, not only going to the little feeder that we have there, but also gathering twigs and seeing them with things in their beaks and that preparation of building the nest and bringing new life. It's, it is exciting. And it too is a process as well. Um, one step leads to the next, just as when we're working on poems, we have sort of things that are ready to burst within us. And if we have that moment to sit down and kind of see what it is that we can discover through our pen or through our computer, however it is that we track it to get sort of a draft out and then to sort of see then how we can shape it and what it can tell us too, because sometimes that can be a portal to a series of poems. And I know for me and thinking about what we were talking last week with the garden and how transformation is a big part of what the garden brings and offers us as viewers and also as participants, because we too are part of the garden. This poem that I'll share now, it was really a pivotal poem for my collection, Her Red Hair Rises with the Wings of Insects. And I think the poem will reveal that too as I share it. And I guess I'll just, I'll spell the title because it's a Greek word, it's thonic, but it's spelled C-H-T-H-O-N-I-C. Thonic. The lilacs have risen to solo in the corner orchestra of greens. Purple odors permeate the branched alveoli of my lungs. I slip through the briars, listen to wind shaking the canopy, stand in place till I'm pulled through the port of entry. I fight, play possum, but my wit leaks as lilacs rust from bone ivory. Death seeps. I hold my breath to tease the light they say is coming, but like the trees, I darken the forest. You must find the hidden passage inside the earth's purse. Chewing worms, burrowing owls, nothing is still, not even my mind turning to brain, a field in fallow. The earth slides over my face. I see the exchange that's happening. A dead mother wants out. Her red hair rises with the wings of insects, and I sink further than the lair of the fox. Wow, thank you so much for that. You know, we went from having this really joyful conversation about spring, and then traveling through this poem, I feel... It's showing a whole other side of that, right? I feel there's a, a heaviness to, yeah. to this, whether that's that's intended or not. I can feel this heaviness coming through and, and that movement down, down, right? Instead of it up is. and out. It's a down yes. and in, the sinking, the slip. I slip through the briars. Mm-hmm. My wind leaks, like that's a down. Death seeps, it's, a, it's moving down. Even burrowing, you don't normally burrow up usually burrow down. Yeah, and thonic actually, as I say, it's a Greek word, but it's connected to 
belonging to the underworld. So it is, as you say, going down and, and moving into the space of beneath. Mm, look at that, eh? And I didn't know what the word meant. So but you you, you did. <laughs> but that's what I, the beauty of um, how poetry leads you to that. The experience will give the, the word away in mm. what it reveals so that that knowing will come without the actual knowing specifically about the word, but the word is already revealed through what the poem can give us. And so thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I also noticed right, right at the beginning, and I think sometimes for me, there's certain letters that have sounds to them that catch my ear, like lilacs, solo, even the orchestra of greens, purple odors, like there was a, a music to it. So I wrote down music and before I got finished writing it down, then the poem went into listen to wind shaking. And so I thought that was just so interesting because uh, recently we spoke about one of your poems that was just so full of color that I was seeing color everywhere. That this poem was one that I could hear the sounds of life at the beginning of the poem. And then the sound experience for me as it went down toward the end of the poem, I could feel the silence seeping in as well. The words were less lyrical in my mind then yes. at the beginning of the poem and I love that musicality like like this is this is incredible Catherine oh thank you Jessica thank you thank you for allowing me to sort of share it and then also through your eyes see it in new ways which is just really interesting when you think about your work and the communication that it hopefully can bring to the reader but to have the opportunity as we do when we go back and forth with our poems and our journey with things that we connect with in this hummingbird podcast to be able to explore things that allow us to see because as we know too with our writing we're participants in the writing journey but there's other things involved as well too in the creative process where whether you call it the muse or whatever you want to call it that that sort of a secret passageway that you move through when you're also moving through as a person and I think that sometimes entrusting that and that letting go allows things to come in as you say the sound and when I think about the underneath well that that's the primary sensory uh, route to understanding things because you won't have your eyes to help you you are going into the the darkness and in the darkness Mm -hmm. then your ears are going to be helping you to navigate a new space and be really wired to what you need to hear to survive or go through whatever the journey is the fact that the soundscape is kind of revealing that actually you'd think I planned it Jessica (laughs) so (laughs) <laughs> well and and what i well it, you know that's a whole conversation that yes. we have now yeah that relationship between what we intend when we write and what just happens which is a fascinating conversation because i always find so much more happens in a poem than what i ever intended yes yeah, uh, generally, but mm-hmm. you know, as I read this too, and because I had the poem we read last week in my mind, if she had a secret garden, and thinking about how the garden was a place of escape, a place of a portal for her to have a transformation. In my poem, what I find interesting here is that it's it's a very different transformation and a very different garden, but there is a movement and a, a sort of change that happens throughout that. I find just fascinating how it, the the I, the speaker in this poem, is alone except for what's around in nature. 
similar to the she in my poem. Yes. So it's a journey that they couldn't go on with anybody else. And whereas at the end of my poem, the beaker gets out back through the forsythia and turns into a bird and flies. I get the feeling from this one that when the line that says a dead mother wants out, but it's her, her red hair rising with the wings of insects. So there's that contrast of the red hair rising with the winds of insects. And then the speaker, the eye is sinking further than the lair of the fox. So really, to me, that's really my imagination. It's it's really moving into a deep place and that contrast between, again, that, that air and the ground and below the ground that you have also captured in, in things that we've talked about lately. So my, my point in sharing this reflection with mm-hmm. you is just that it's interesting to me how we've not done this writing together. These are, <laughs> we've just pulled poems to talk about yeah. and it's just just through the conversation live action now while we're talking that I'm noticing <laughs> it's it's like poems communicate with each other somehow and I'm I'm, yes. I'm fascinated by that get the image and the idea of one thing in your mind and then it, it carries with you as you read and you move into another thing yeah and when you think too about nature and the communication of nature and we've been talking too about trees and we'll explore trees further too and the way that they communicate in the underground as well this whole way that trees through their roots um, things are released and they allow for for what a tree needs to know and things can be passed through and so much can happen in that root but we're not hearing it in the way that we would in terms of quote language of of how we speak but also these things are speaking in a different kind of language and there's so many I think languages that we just don't have access to and I think poems Maybe they have roots and tendrils and things stretching out here and there and are doing that as well, too. Well, and have you ever read the book Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert? I have. I feel like I have. I think I may have listened to an audio of it. Yeah. I did the same. I listened to an odd audio and then I I tried reading it, but I much preferred the audio. Mm -hmm. But that could just also be my attention to ability to sit still. I love listening to audiobooks in the car. But in that book, she talks about that and about how story travels. And she shares a story about a novel that she was planning to write, but didn't ever write. And then she was speaking to a writer who wrote the novel she was planning to write, but never told anybody about. And she, you know, she kind of builds up this case so beautifully for how we've all got lots of ideas coming to us all the time. And you have to choose which one you hold on to and that you, you work through. And if you don't, that energy, that idea is going to leave you and find another home in someone else. So that story can be shared. Yes. Yes. And isn't that a wonderful thing too, because it too needs to to birth through a person then through the, through the mind and through whatever creative force um, it comes through. And in this case, pen, computer to printed page. And so that idea too, of uh, even if it doesn't go through one person, it, it'll hover just like going back to the hummingbird, it's hovering there mm-hmm. and it will find its way to, to move in, which gives us a lot of hope for stories that haven't been told, but will, will be told at some point as well mm-hmm. too. And they aren't entirely lost, but they're just sort of on hold for the moment. And I'm thinking how this poem, it wasn't my intention to have it reveal the title. But I, I think if I remember correctly, my editor, Paul Vermeer, said, what about this for a title for your book? And this was the book of glosses. We've we've talked about the glossiform in one of the episodes. And, and he said, her red hair rises with the wings of insects. How, how about that for a title? And it just fit. And it just seems such mm. a powerful 
way of not only just for pulling from this poem, but also capturing the, the sense of transformation and the idea of something rising, but having wings and insects and creepiness there too. <laughs> and uh, I just think yes. too about the color red, We're talking earlier about color and the impact color has on, on our work. And, and for me, red is really the key color because it, it's shown up in some other titles as well. I have a book titled The Red Element. The red is uh, also appears in several of my covers, the red dress of the girl at the entryway of the giant celery forest holding the owls wearing red. The most cunning heart has a, a, a girl in red or a woman in red. Quarry, there's a girl who is looking out and she has antlers. So she's also, I guess, part deer, but she's wearing red. And my mother had red hair. So I wish I had red hair, Jessica. I don't, but um, <laughs> I feel like I do in my heart. Like I really do feel this affinity to the color red and and I, I just just drawn to that color and I just like the the one syllable compactness of that word too red and of course how can you not like red because then you can think of r-e-a-d as a <laughs> a reader and a writer and a lover of words but red is such a powerful as you, as I think you said in the last episode too it's really like the life force when we think about how red works as well but it's also very beautiful and it is a talking about spring and energy it is I, I believe too when people are working with design elements and thinking about the effect that colors have on us and how red can really give energy and I've heard it said too that they don't advise you to paint your bedroom red because it might keep you awake at night and so oh. go for the soothing colors like a blue or a, mm. something else that doesn't have quite that impact of energy and that that makes sense actually when I think about it it's such a vibrant and intense color what a lovely thing to think that the color red has weaved its way through so many of your covers I just love that. Well, it's interesting thinking about this as well, because as we go through these conversations, other things appear to us. And for me, at this moment, I'm thinking about, I used to play this game with my father. He just, as a kid, say, what's your favorite this? What's your favorite that? And I remember asking my dad, what's your favorite color? And <laughs> I always wanted him to say red, because that was going to be my answer. <laughs> so he might tease me about that and say yellow or blue. I'm like, no, red, red. <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Oh, so good. Well, thank you so much for sharing that poem and going through the garden in a bit of a different way. Yeah. And, and I think too, you, you, you know, when I think about this poem and some of the thoughts I may have had back when I was working with it, I was thinking too about the myth of Demeter and Persephone, the mother-daughter and, and how the mother loses her daughter. And here I was thinking a kind of reversal, how the daughter loses the mother, but how this exchange has to somehow happen with the cycles and the seasons. And unfortunately, they can't necessarily always be together, but from moving one to the other, you're releasing the other. And so there's this exchange, even if it's not necessarily at the same time, which I think goes with the cycle as well and so I was thinking about those various forces and moving things around in sort of the, the way that you can because there's even with myth there's different stories to the same myth and I love that how it can have more than one story to it but there's that sense of something being the truth within that and, and in this case I think about transformation and loss and loved ones and having a different route and having to try and find through that route the other but that finding leads the other one to move so you never quite get to the the meeting but the exchange happens so in some way energy is moving in in a way too to 
allow for a connection, but you're always just sort of missing one another as well. I really appreciate that we took that moment to think about what you may have been thinking while you were writing it at the time. I think that was really helpful and really opens up the poem again and makes me want to go back and reread it. So that's definitely something I'm going to do today. I wonder, do you want to read this poem again? Sure. Like for as if I'm reading it for the first time or no, oh. like I'm wondering, do we want to hear it again? Just oh, sure. Given the conversation that we had. Yes, yeah, so that's a great idea. Given that the topic of the poem too, it was one that I found some poems, you know, you read and the entry point are many and you can connect in. But mm -hmm. this one I found when I read it, I really loved reading it more than once. That's a great idea. Be because of the different layers of yes. meaning that are embedded within it, it's, mm -hmm. it, it really may be valuable for us just to do one more time. Thonic. The lilacs have risen to solo in the corner orchestra of greens. Purple odors permeate the branched alveoli of my lungs. I slip through the briars, listen to wind shaking the canopy, stand in place till I'm pulled through the port of entry. I fight, play possum, but my wit leaks as lilacs rust from bone ivory. Death seeps. I hold my breath to tease the light they say is coming, but like the trees, I darken the forest. You must find the hidden passage inside the earth's purse. Chewing worms, burrowing owls, nothing is still. Not even my mind turning to brain, a field in fallow. The earth slides over my face. I see the exchange that's happening. A dead mother wants out. Her red hair rises with the wings of insects, and I sink further than the lair of the fox. I'm really glad we read that a second time because the first time I was listening to it, I put the lens on it of the garden because of the, the lilacs and the orchestra of greens. There's so much in this poem that's concrete, the bone ivory, like even though there's just things that I was getting lost in, but mm -hmm. hearing it a second time, my ear picked up on things I hadn't picked up on the first time through. I was drawn into the port of entry and I was loving the line, you must find the hidden passage in inside the earth's purse. So that's the value of reading a poem more than once. I got caught up in the images and the feelings the first time, and I missed the passages of discovery that you had placed along the way because I was embedded within it. And now it's opened up the poem for me. I almost want to take some of these and write a glossa with your words. <laughs> because there, I want to know, well, what, tell me more about that port of entry. And then you do. And then I'm wondering, well, how are you going to find that hidden passage inside the earth's purse and then you provide a way a way to do that so we'll be sure to post this poem out on social media if people want to have a closer look at it because it is one of those poems that you need to just spend some time with this is a slow read and the gifts that you get from that are going to be plentiful in my in my humble opinion well thank you jessica and you know it's interesting just thinking outside of it as if it wasn't my poem and listening to some of your comments it makes me think too of the sense of being seduced and into that seduction through the ear but all these other parts can be going on as well that you aren't necessarily aware of so that way too that that can be a warning to us almost like a siren song so how that 
that can kind of be a, a pulling and a, a port of entry and how there's the sense then of, oh, it's too late with the speaker says, I fight, play possum. Even that is kind of an oxymoron because if you're playing possum, possums just kind of lie there as if they are dead. So I'm not sure if that really is fighting. <laughs> so that strangeness too of not quite this, not quite that. And the way it does change to the second person and that line that you mentioned, you must find a hidden passage inside the earth's purse. And where is that coming from? It's a a pronoun change, but it feels almost like the earth speaking to her or her inner self speaking to her, that sense of going down through the layers in our own sort of consciousness and what happens to us as we move through. And because we have also talked about Gwendolyn McEwen's poem, dark pines underwater. It makes me think too, if there's something down there and you want it told. And I think we're often drawn to these sort of secret places and these places that can only get to through a process of going down. This has been mentioned too with myth and the underworld and, and what's down there as well, but how we can also rise back up, but we might not be the same. And that, as they say, exchange that's happening between the mother and the daughter, but it also the layer of the fox. That doesn't sound totally terrible. I mean, that's where foxes live and foxes are interesting creatures as well. And of course they're red. So the redness continues and, and foxes are, are smart and going back to that word cunning. So there's hope Hope there too, right? Mm-hmm. I love that. You know, here here we thought we I think we had six poems today. We were very ambitious in our planning. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we were so excited last week when we're like gardens and trees. And then the emails started flying. Oh, there's this, there's this, there's this, and we've gotten through one, which is wonderful. <laughs> it just uh, pulled we were, us okay. down. It did. I mean, I don't know. It, it, did. Of, it had its own force field, right? <gasps> it did. Well, and I want to revise my statement here. We it, it isn't that we we've just gotten to one it's we've lingered in one is what's <laughs> happened here we've lovingly lingered in one which is wonderful and since we're running out of time for this show I wonder if maybe we just wrap up the conversation by thinking about process and earlier in the show you were speaking about when we're writing poems whether we do that by hand or we type the poem and what that process looks like and I feel like we've touched on this a little bit before but I thought it might be worthwhile just to kind of revisit that conversation I love hearing hearing about how other poets approach the work. For me, I always would start a poem by hand, always starts a poem by hand. Mm -hmm. But I don't have to get that far in before I can move it over to typing to finish it. So I I might have to do four or five lines by hand first, and then I can move that over to the computer. And then I actually have fun moving things around almost like they're like, it's like a puzzle game or something. Yeah. And then adding things and expanding on it and playing with things because my page starts to get too messy because I I very much am a a playful poet in terms of my approach to, to putting things together. I like to try things out, hear how they sound, see how they look. So I love that the computer can allow me that freedom but I can't ever enter into a poem on a blank screen. It always has to be on a page with one of my favorite pens. Jessica, I'm the same. It has to come from the body for me and the body and the pen become one in that moment of transformation from what is inside me to what comes out. Often poems will come from some kind of sense of sound and image kind of working its way through me and I'll follow a music and sometimes I won't necessarily know the word, but I'll know how many syllables it has. So I'll kind of put a placeholder in there just to keep going so I'm not losing the musical thread. And I do write in just notebooks that I get at the dollar store or or, or nothing fancy. I've been given beautiful, beautiful journals through the years and I'm always hesitant to use them because they're just so pretty. (laughs) I've gotten over that somewhat and just use them as I do three 
what is it, the spiral notebooks and so on. But I do that and I'll, I'll kind of work it through a few times and play with it. And then I'll, okay, I think I've got some kind of draft now and then I'll go to the computer. And, and yes, it's so wonderful because once you have it on the computer, you can cut lines, move them around, keep your draft to sort of remember what you have. But I'm reminded as well that a lot of my process, I'm not even aware of till I look later and I'll see doodles and, and sort of scribbles. And I realized as well, there was an art show that I was involved in and I'm not an artist, but we were asked some of us as poets to bring in pieces of something that connected to our process or our poetic journey. And I realized that I had created these sort of, I don't know if I'd call them works of art, but they were framed and hung in a gallery. And actually one had a red dot beside it. I was so thrilled it sold, wow. uh, which was just thrilling. And uh, I should look up this picture as well. And we can share this on, on uh, the Hummingbird Instagram page. But yes, it was uh, the realization of all of these sort of little figures and little uh, scratchings and symbols and all of that was coming out but I wasn't aware of it so clearly I guess that doodling and, and making around the words is part of my process as well too. I love that well and that's part of the body too isn't it and the pen finding its way or the pencil finding its way. Yes yes and and thankfully too if your computer crashes or something terrible happens which we know it can I mean there's the cloud now but you have a notebook to go back to it's there right absolutely oh I love that well I hope that you have a wonderful week and that you write a lot I hope you do too and here's to going down to the underground but coming back up safely <laughs> yes always coming back up yes <laughs> <laughs> and so we finish our chat with just another day by the talented Shannon Linton <laughs> It's just a